Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this episode with uh, with Eric Dillon. Before we get to the episode with him, I wanted to let you know about the What Connects Us podcast. It's a new podcast that's powered by Connexus Credit Union. Hosted by Mason Gardner, What Connects Us is a podcast featuring people in Saskatchewan that explores human connection, meaningful conversation, and the role that money plays in our hopes, dreams, and fears. There's now five episodes, I believe, of What Connects Us, and the most recent episode features Chief Cadmus DeLorme of Cowess's First Nation. You can subscribe and listen to What Connects Us for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to the What Connects Us podcast. That's What Connects, as in C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S, What Connects Us podcast. As always, thanks so much to Connexus Credit Union for supporting the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported this month by Sask Energy. Protect your home from carbon monoxide poisoning by installing carbon monoxide alarms on every floor of your home. Check your vents and chimney regularly for debris. Now that we're very much into winter, uh, that includes snow, obviously, uh, snow around your vents and chimneys is is not good. Never idle a vehicle in a garage. Uh, I <laughs> I was under the perception growing up that you could start your vehicle in your garage with the door closed. I th- was convinced that my dad did this when, when I was growing up, uh, but that is uh, not the case. He did not do that. And idling a vehicle in a garage uh, with, with the garage door closed is a very, very bad idea. Why? Because it causes carbon monoxide buildup. And when you go in into your car in the garage and it's been running, that is not very good for you. Um, you Something very seriously could happen. If you think your home has carbon monoxide, leave your home immediately and call 911 or your local fire department. Visit saskenergy.com for more information on carbon monoxide and do not run your running car in a garage with the door closed. And as always, thanks to Path Cowork and Regina for supporting the Talking 306 podcast. Path Cowork is above and beyond the best co-working space in all of Saskatchewan. Uh, earlier this fall, I was working in Saskatoon, and Path uh, unfortunately hasn't opened their new location there. And so I had to work at a different co-working space. And with all, with all due respect to them, I, I believe PATH is is still the best co-working spot in all of the province, and they are located in Regina. I'm a proud member of PATH, and I love going to work there. I love the people that are there. It's a, it's a great environment, even during the pandemic. Uh, they're, they're still operating. They're open. They're, they're being very safe. Everybody's wearing masks there. They're really focused on on safety and uh, and helping their members get through the pandemic. If you're interested in working in a bit of a different environment compared to the usual boring office life, please visit pathcowork.ca to learn more about what Path Cowork is all about. That's pathcowork.ca. Welcome to the Talking Through Six podcast, part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm the host, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the podcast, my guest is Eric Dillon. Eric Dillon is the Chief Executive Officer at Connexus Credit Union. Eric and I got together to discuss his life and career, including his family's background, growing up in a military family and moving around across Canada when he was growing up, how he got started in the financial and credit union world, his approach to leadership, the importance of taking the time to think during the day, Connexus's new headquarters in Regina, and much, much more. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 podcast, and this is my episode with Eric Dillon. So we'll talk about your uh, your day job. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know much ab- about you though um, like your backstory and that's something I like to do with with my guests is go back and talk a little bit about the journey to where you are now because 
uh, I think that's important and sometimes get gets lost in the conversation about what people are doing in this moment so um, so where's where's home for you well funny uh-huh. it's a bit of a story so my family originally homesteaded at Creek oh okay and then my Creek's da- an interesting town it's but I never lived there okay see that's the thing we had this farm that my grandfather owned and then he passed my dad continued to own the farm with my aunt right but then he joined the Air Force okay so then I lived all over the place Montreal oh, really? Vancouver okay. Island did your did your Winnipeg. did your dad serve in Second World War or not not no. quite that old no not quite that old yeah, yeah so he I don't uh, I don't want to age you too much I guess by well, saying I that. just had a birthday and I'm feeling okay. old enough so thanks for that okay <laughs> no so he uh, but he was stationed all over Canada f- right uh, as a pilot in the Air Force so I lived in lots of places as a as a kid and you know so this was kind of like homestead home right but then I've lived in all these other interesting places the west coast you know where the weather's great and it's you know yeah and montreal where you know i learned to speak a bit of french yeah and, and how's so, your french now well i have kids that are in french immersion okay so i'm kind of forced to be right if they go slow right i can you know put sentences together yeah yeah so was that was was traveling around with the family and moving a bunch was, was that tough growing up uh I always thought it was going to be really tough, uh-huh. and then it was easier than I thought. Oh, so why? So I wouldn't say it's easy, but it was easier than I was expecting. Well, of course, you're always thinking as a kid, and I moved once in grade 10. Oh. And I'm not sure I would do that to my kids today. No, high school is tough. But I was super worried about it, yeah. but then I still have great friends from the people that I met, grade 10, 11, 12, and first year college, Right. that um, you know I wouldn't trade for the world. Where did you guys move to in grade 10? Uh, a place called Castlegar, BC. Oh yeah, I know Castlegar on yeah. the on the number three. Yeah, so my right. dad retired from the Air Force and taught flying at this. They had a flight school and a community college. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh. So I went there and then went to Edmonton for oh, transfer to U of A. Right. And then just ended up working in Alberta for whatever reason for you know probably sixteen years or something before yeah. coming what I call kind of full circle back to Saskatchewan. And then my wife, um, her family is mostly from south of Swift Current. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this is, we came here lots, you know, right. when, after we were together and having kids and, yeah. and it kind of came, felt like a bit of full circle. Uh, uh, so where did you guys meet? In Alberta? In Alberta, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah it seems like a lot of people move there in the, um, in the nineties and, you know, that type of thing from, from Saskatchewan. So, yeah. Uh, what did you take at the yeah, U of A? So I took math and economics. Mm. Started oh, as that's a, fun. Started as a chemistry major, though. Uh-huh. So took, what happened to the chemistry? Well, I took a class called organic chem. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I realized quickly I wasn't going to be in chemistry. Right. And I had a girlfriend at the time who was in economics. Uh, yeah. So I was like, well, I should spend more time with her, clearly. Right. So I took an economics class and killed it. Oh, really? Okay. And then I was like, well, this is cool. Then took a class about banking. Right. Next thing you know, I have a math economics background. Yeah, so I took an econ class in my graduate studies when I was doing that, and I couldn't. I found it so difficult. the The actual concept of you know supply and demand, I, I I mean I can fully understand, but when it came to actually drawing the graphs for it and you know problem solving, I'm not a math guy. So I found that I found that to be dude, it's the easiest thing in the world because you you can opine about anything, uh-huh. and then when you're wrong, you just say, "Well, my assumptions were flawed." Right. Uh, going back to your family for a bit, yeah. um, what did your mom do with the so like with your dad with his job? Did what did she do for work? Teacher by trade, right? And then a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. As, I, as I got didn't a bit didn't older. really teach in all the different places. You guys lots of subbing and that kind of stuff. Sure, but not. Yeah, it's hard know. to hard to keep a continuous thing going at a school when you kind of guaranteed you're going to move every number of years. Yeah. Right? Do you have siblings too? I I had a brother. Uh, sadly, passed away about oh. three years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I mean from from what? It, it just this sick? really weird illness. Yeah. Un- undiagnosed diabetic led to a bunch of other things, oh, and then I, see. I got a call one day that he's not doing very good, and that was that. Sadly, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna miss him a ton. Yeah, as a baby, you know, only one older brother. Yeah, and, but more, you know, now as a dad, I have three little girls myself, and right. as a dad, I can't imagine what my parents went through. You know. Yeah. Having that happen to a kid. Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, thanks. Uh, these are these are the things that happen in life, I That's suppose. Right. Yeah. I'm interested in in how you got into into the uh, banking industry, and I and I know that credit unions kind of. Do you guys like that that term, banking industry? Like, like it always kind of seems like 
like credit unions are a bit outside of what you know we would naturally think of in terms of banks you know the tds and the, and the scotia banks and cibcs and that type of thing but there's a funny story about the word bank. The government a few years ago tried to tell us we couldn't even use the verb banking, and so there's credit unions couldn't use it. Well, because it was reserved for those that were federally regulated. Right. Yeah, and we're not. But you know, anyway, cooler heads prevailed that uh-huh. banks don't own the English language. So we respect the fact that people say I bank or I'm going to do my banking. Right. Uh, but we are very proud about being a financial cooperative. So we help people with money, and then the beauty of it is, at the end of the day, the success that comes from that ends up being circulated right here in our community right but so how did you get into into that industry though so you did this economics bank uh, economics banking degree is that what you well, said like math and economics right yeah yeah and okay. one of the courses was money and banking okay and i uh, finished top in the class and i just love this idea about how money is kind of a a condition to people's goals and dreams it is something that lots of people have stress and anxiety about but it's, yeah but it also done well and, and again, there's a material difference between those that are, you know, making great choices with money that are empowering their dreams and those that are almost beholden to money in terms of stress and anxiety and things. And I just became really interested in the idea of how to unlock the ability for more people to pursue the things that matter to them and money becomes an enabler for those things. Right, right. So what was your first job and, and, and where? Uh, well, so it was a credit union in Lloydminster. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, and I've been in the credit union business for 25 years, but started as an advisor sitting across right. the desk and, yeah. you know, doing hand-to-hand contact the guy, with mortgages and investments. Yeah, the guy that you meet with in, in the little cubicle with yep. the sliding door to, type yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, and, okay. And you know what? My favorite, to, to this day, my favorite job. Why? Because it's like you're really helping people. Like you're right there on the front lines. Yeah. I, I still stay in touch with the people that I did the first mortgage for 25 years really? ago. Really? My first commercial customer where I was financing their business. Yeah. He ran a business in Alberta. I still talk to him three times a year because I'm just interested in where his business has gotten to and what's he, what and he's doing. And has it grown? Or well, it's, it, it, yeah. it's doing incredibly well. Yeah, probably probably some bumps in the road if most you're likely. In business but after 25 years, things have to be going well. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, you know, if I'm so podcasting in 25 years i yeah it's gone well yeah yeah and who knows podcasting might be done by 25 years yeah, but so, so it's just fun to connect with roger and just find out what his challenges are today and you know, so we're right. more colleagues now than right you know yeah, and probably friends or totally. clo- close to it after totally. 25 years of knowing each other yeah so when you when you do your job right now as the as the as the head of uh Connexus, do you do you use that experience of you know it wasn't so long ago when I was the guy meeting with people that need a mortgage and like I was the guy on the ground and you know um, do you, do you try to keep that as as a perspective for you so because like in in my opinion you might not get this very much I'm not sure but I'd imagine that some people think oh he's the he's this you know big head of a of a bank let's just call it call it you know what it is for for ease of our conversation um so does that like does that help you to think you know it wasn't so long ago when i was doing that guy's job it helps in two ways one Mm -hmm. would be you know i remember the passion i had for serving people and, right. and so now we bring people into Connexus that have a real passion for helping people. It was the best part of the job today. It's why the best advisors exist today. And right. so I would like to say I know what drives those people. So I know, you know, I'd like to say I know how to find them, which is why we get the best people and lead the industry in service. The second thing it helps is I'm super comfortable talking to our member owners right so when i spend time in a branch it's not unusual for me to actually just stand out in front of the counter and just talk to people do, about do what pe- works and what doesn't and do people get a bit freaked out about that oh like why why is the ceo of connexus out here talking to me like shouldn't he be in the back you know running the thing it's odd i i, I have our e- my email address on our website right and people email it all the time uh-huh. and i write back do you get weird ones well, I get people saying, is this, like, when they, then they answer right. back saying, yeah. like, this isn't really you. And, and I'm always struck by that because, like, we're not at that big a place. Right. And if you want to talk to Eric, who happens to have this job. Yeah. Then just email me and I'll email you back. And, um, and it, I just, but it's just struck me how funny that is because I've never felt like, well, we should have a different conversation because I just have a different job than an advisor. Yeah. To me, it's just, we're, no. all, we're all on the same team. We just have different jobs. Yeah. But but people have a perception that, you know, because you're the CEO, 
Um, and you know, this is I'm you know, it's probably it's, it's a long term built in thing where people are just conditioned to, you know, their expectations that 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 CEOs shouldn't be doing things like that, right? That they've got other people to respond, and you know, like like the advisor on the. You know, meeting with people for their mortgage, I guess, right? Maybe. But, but you take a different approach. But maybe eh? that's what's, you know, I think is a bit flawed with respect to leadership today. Right. Yeah. Just going to leave that. Tell me more about that. Why? Well, you know, the world has just got, I think, so hierarchical in some ways. That, yeah. Um, I'm just reading lots today about the best organizations are just a networked group of people with very unique skills. Dale will have some skills. Eric will have some skills. Susie will have some skills. Jane will have some skills. Right. And we'll put those people in a room and get them to solve very complex problems. Yeah. Nobody cares when they're in the room what their title is or how much money they make or what they care about is they have a unique value-added perspective to bring to the answer. Right. And I, I would like to think Connexus has evolved that we just have groups of really passionate people with different skills coming together to solve problems. Sometimes I'm helping, sometimes I'm coaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's a that's a good perspective. What does your day look like? I'm interested in this. Well, because we talked about your no breakfast yeah. and your gym time in the morning. But um, like what is like as the as as the leader of of uh Connexus, what does your day look like? Lot do you have meetings all day mostly or yeah, I mean, I mean earlier you were you just kind of showed up and you were just doing your thing sending emails it seems. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, well I mean the world is a paperless place nowadays. So yeah. you know my whole office is the briefcase I rolled in here with. Right. And so it doesn't really matter where you're at cuz for me it could be a branch, could be a yeah. you know a customers, a members place, could be one of our Are you in the office very much like like your you know wherever your maybe, office is maybe half the time a third of the time really yeah do you travel lots too well in our business you know there's there's kind of places where financey thing gets done toronto vancouver uh-huh. so i've got to go yeah. to those places when we're doing partnerships or you know talking to regulators or government or whoever right uh, but at the same time i do lots of traveling in and around saskatchewan so i go out and see our you know member owners all the time at their yeah. at their business and just learn what's uh, what's going on for them because you know if we're going to be the most local the most connected that can't just be the advisor you're That's, talking about the branches yeah like totally. on the province branches right? or yeah. our members offices uh, yeah. like we're all going to tour a business or what have you and just find, right. out, find out what's going on for them in the economy and and in those situations do, do are, are people taking a like taken aback a bit again because the CEO of Connexus is just coming to tour hour because you know like as much as things things have progressed in this province in the last number of years I'm just you know I, I think people still kind of have this kind of small small town mentality in a lot of ways where like oh like why why is this guy coming here shouldn't he have be doing bigger things it's just the opposite. even though I think it's great that you do it it's actually just the opposite what we hear particularly from business owners is there's lots of time in their history you know Connects has been around for 80 years yeah we only do business in Saskatchewan there's lots of times in our history where the banks will say you know what we can make more money for shareholders which again it's not evil it's just the way it's the way they're structured yeah is to maximize shareholder value and there's lots of times where they can make more money for shareholders in Toronto or Quebec or Europe Caribbean right. investment banking and they'll choose to take money and people out of Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Well, if we did that, yeah, it's uh, it's the only place we do business. So if we stop doing right. that, we stop doing business. Right. And I think what our members really appreciate is that decision makers exist here. Right. So you know if and you know we go out and look at the large transactions in particular, and we'll stand with a business owner and say, look, if you want to borrow ten or twenty million dollars, show us how your business works, and the decision will be made by the two of us standing right here. And it's right. not super sexy, and it's not. You might think it's less sophisticated than the other places, but I guarantee you, we know the local market better than anybody else that we compete with. And I think our business owners love that about us right right because decisions are made here by people that know that live in the same town they understand the current market they understand how to connect them to other people to help them be more successful uh the banks frankly cannot replicate that their decision makers exist in toronto calgary vancouver yeah and when and when people do do try and contact the big banks they're talking to people on a phone and who knows where they are and I don't think you could email the CEO of the Royal Bank no. and expect an answer probably the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, would you still do that if you were if you were the CEO of Royal Bank? 
Well, I mean, we have we have 130,000 members, yeah. and I don't have any problem today keeping up. If we had you right. know, 10 million, mm-hmm. would it be different? I, I don't know. Probably a little bit, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see first before I said no. Yeah. Yeah, but to me, being connected and hearing firsthand from our uh, from our members, the people that we're trying to help, is really, really important. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of took you off the, um, the way your day looks like. Yeah, you meet with your leadership team every every day type thing, or uh, not every day? No, I mean no. there. You know, we were talking before the show aired, and we have really great people that work at Connexus. Right. You know, most of the time, I just get out of their way. Yeah. They're really smart. They know exactly what we're trying to do for uh, for members and trying to build and trying to change. And what I need to do is just make sure they have the tools and then get out of their way. That just comes down to to trust them, basically. Sure. Yeah. Right? But a day looks like you know I. Uh, I know myself exceptionally well. So uh-huh. I'm at my best in terms of thinking early in the morning. And mm-hmm. I love the quiet time. So I do. What mo- time do you wake up? Well, I go to the, I'm at the gym at five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So I get to work, you know, 630. Right. And that's, you know, 630 to 830. I spend a lot of just thinking. I read lots of um, articles, periodicals, stimulate my brain. And then, yeah. you know, meetings typically start 839. Right. Uh, yeah. And then. You know, there might be an event in the afternoon that Connexus is involved in, or something in the evening. Like, yeah, you know, uh, that's interesting that that you say that in the in the morning you just got kind of take take time for yourself and read and think about things. Um, so my uncle, he was until recently the president of a of a firm in Calgary, and um, I think I think they probably had maybe 10, 10 to twelve staff, like like a small shop, yep. but they uh, but they managed quite a quite a bit of money. And um, one of his things that I or that he talked to me about was every morning uh, they have quiet time from you know whenever people come in you know but anywhere between seven to eight eight thirty until ten and during that time they just they they do exactly what you just said where they you know instead of the typical kind of office thing where you come in you say hey how was your night last night and you know you do all yeah. the you know the water cooler stuff. Yeah, the water cooler stuff. They just put their heads down. They, you know, do their emails or, you know, read whatever they need to for the day. And then I think at lunchtime, they all come together and they have a big team meeting and and they and they do that. So, yeah, that's an interesting approach to, uh, to the workplace, I think. Because there's a lot of, I mean, part of it for them, I think, is, is just wasted time. You know, there's only, there's only so many hours in the day and, you know, you kind of get that out of the way. But is that is that your thing, or is it really for you just to just to think and get the mind going? And well, the world comes at business leaders, yeah. You know, and people fast today, right? Yeah, I mean, whether it's email or social media or texts or snaps or what have you, information is coming at you a mile a minute, and it's. I think it's pretty easy to get on the slippery slope of just reacting as information comes in. And, you know, the job of business leaders is not to deal with the urgent, not important, Mm -hmm. but to deal with the not urgent, important. Right. Okay, so my job is to create the next generation of cooperative banking, not for members like next Tuesday, but for the next three, four, five, ten years. Yeah. And to do that, you have to... You have to get out of the game of just the snowballs of information right. and step back and give yourself creative time to say, what does this all mean for us, for our members, for our strategy today, for what we're trying to build, for how we connect with people, how we build the next generation of leaders? And and let your mind not just be like, you know, bombarded by all the junk that comes in today. And you get it 24 hours a day from all our little internet enabled yeah. devices yeah. and give yourself time to think. And I, and I see lots of business leaders today where it's just a constant treadmill and I'm not sure people can be at their best. So, right. But that said, my best is early in the morning. It's mm-hmm. when I have my most energy. It's when I'm at my most creative self. For you, it might be end of the day. Mm-hmm. For other people I work with, you know, it might be lunchtime. And so I wouldn't mandate we're doing this at six to meet my need. Right. What we need to do is find ways to creatively think together and then share those thoughts. Right. Yeah. Um, the the kind of uh, uh, tenure vision that you just talked about, um, it's it seems like Connexus has kind of gone all in on the, on the tech side of things with Cultivator and... Um, maybe not all in, but but 
but for sure a, a pretty big investment in yep. of time and money. Yep. On on those types of things, which I I think a lot of people have really been, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a great thing that you guys are doing in that regard. Do you guys have any members that are saying, um, you know, that maybe aren't looking for that ten-year vision and are thinking, you know, maybe you guys are getting a bit, bit outside of what people would think the mandate for Connexus is. So uh, I can't speak for all hundred and twenty-six thousand of them. If that's their view, I haven't heard that. Nobody's expressed it to me. I think what most people say. You got to remember, Connexus was founded, you know, almost ninety years ago by a few people pooling resources in a coffee can almost, if you think about it, and then using that to support growing their agricultural business. That's how our crayon started. That's the story of lots of crayons. So how is that different than what we do today, which is pooling the money of members and using that to support some great uh, Saskatchewan businesses? Right. You know, and I think economic development or supporting businesses, even if you go back five or 10 years, it was chasing smokestacks. Let's get another head office for XYZ Corporation because they're looking at putting one in so all the town rallies together to try to get the factory built in our community because it'll mean jobs. Right. Well, I would say we've been at Cultivator for one year. You know, there's 32 companies that have come through our door, been supported by our incubator. We've created 86 jobs. Mm -hmm. 60 more are going to be created in the first six months of 2020, we expect. You know, this is, you know, hand-to-hand combat of economic development and getting Saskatchewan companies off the ground. Right. He said something Mm -hmm. earlier about, you know, we uh, sometimes in Saskatchewan, we... We apologize for our smallness. Yeah, used to. At least it's it's changed. But I would tell you in terms of incubation and entrepreneur ecosystems, small and connected is an unbelievable competitive advantage. Right. Okay, and I'll give you an example. So we had a startup working in Cultivator. They ran parking. The company's called Off Off Street. Off Street, yeah. Okay, so uh, the two founders, bright young guys, having great success. Well, they called me one day and said, geez, Eric, you know, we're getting off the ground. We'd love to get introduced to some of the bigger business owners downtown that have real estate. Right. They bank with Connexus. Mm. Okay, so this is one degree of separation. Yeah. Matt and Kyle call us. We make one call to one of our members, and we've now connected potentially customer to a Saskatchewan startup. If you're doing that in Toronto, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. just too 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 many people. Too much. Good luck with noise. that. Yeah, it's gonna make right. five degrees of separation. We need to harness having business leaders and government leaders and academics, and designers and developers. We can do that in a room of a hundred people. Mm-hmm. They can't recreate. That's an unbelievable competitive advantage yeah. that other communities can't touch. Yeah, uh, is does Cultivator kind of compete with Collabs in terms of? Um, I don't want to maybe say compete but um but you guys definitely made it you know kind of made a choice to put private investment into cultivator whereas collabs is is funded by government basically yeah right yeah i mean i'm not in government i have great respect for those that serve um, yeah, all no, of us. So do I. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course, having a connection there. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, though, we believe and we're taking destiny in our own hands and saying, as an economic catalyst, again, which I would argue has always been the mission of Crayons for, you know, 90 mm. years. Right. This is just a 2020 version of what it means to be an economic catalyst. We have great experience in supporting small businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, we have today about, I don't know, 35,000 of them as customers. Um, so we have great experience, long track record. If you ask CFIB, we're the best in the industry for supporting small business, and we have been for 12 years. Here in Saskatchewan? Here in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So we're very, very good at doing this. And this is just maybe a 2020 version of what who that, would, what who that would looks you, like. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Who would your competitors be on, on that type of thing? Well, again, we would say none. Right. Because we're number one and have been for yeah. a decade. Right. But, you know, the CFIB tracks all of the banks in terms of their track record of supporting right. business. Right. And we've won that uh, that study 12 years in a row, I believe it is. That's pretty so good. So we're, we're very good, good track at it. Record. So, you yeah. know, to say, well, boy, this venture capital and cultivator is a, you know, a broad kind of change of strategy for the organization. I, I would argue it's just a extension continuation of what we've done for almost 100 years. Right. Right. Um. What are people saying to you guys about the uh, new headquarters? It's it, it from my perspective, it seems like now that it's all nearly finished because you guys are moving in there pretty pretty quick, right? Later this year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it it seems to me that now that it's built and people can see that it's a beautiful building and is not, um, 
not obstructing the park really in any in any way it seems like that's cooled off is that what you guys are hearing too or be getting a little bit of feedback from the the usual usual crowd no i mean so there's certainly been lots of commentary about it in the public domain and and i you know i I respect all of it yeah there 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 are some that certainly would suggest and keeping in mind we have one hundred and thirty thousand members we've heard from 65 of them right okay so it's not like thousands yeah Uh, but but some of those people would are fairly adamant that connexus shouldn't have entertained a project like that and we you know as a cooperative for sure they would say we had a you know maybe a higher accountability to the community and i think that's absolutely a fair opinion and there's those people are very passionate about the park yeah and there's worse things in life to be guilty of than being passionate about an urban park that we all are very proud of at the same time though when we were faced with this opportunity in 2016 the university had issued a public request for proposals and it's important to remember this was not you know some deal cooked up between connexus and the university behind closed doors right they issued a public rfp right we went to the initial information meetings there was several uh, organizations in the room but but the proponents the people responding to the rfp had to address very specific needs for our community right. how to revitalize college avenue campus how to yeah. revitalize dark hall how we'd support economic development and the conversation we had about cultivator is our view of what that looks like in a 2020 world right and so we tried very hard in ours in uh, the way we could as a cooperative community-minded cooperative to find a really innovative way to meet the community's needs and certainly our business need and uh, recognize not everybody was going to be happy about that but we still to this day notwithstanding uh, the commentary we still believe that our project delivers material community benefits the only way to do it however because some would say well geez eric why don't you just donate the money and then build somewhere else Mm. again fair fair opinion the cash donations five million dollars the net benefit of our project as exists today in the park is about 18 million dollars for the university which can then be matched by government yeah so to say we could have built or donated the money built somewhere else and everything would have been the same college uh, west would have been renovated to the extent that it is today and dark hall would have been refurbished i'm not sure that's fair and accurate we saw this as the only way to help the university meet its fundraising goals for college avenue and dark hall and it did require co-location because some of that other money the difference between 18 million and 5 million is you know we're doing heating and mechanical for dark hall out of a single facility right we're renting space from um the university which allows them to again lever that cash Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of fundraising yeah so you know i don't think it's as easy to say well boy just donate the money and go somewhere else right we tried to find a very creative way to solve a very complicated problem and that problem had been the number one fundraising problem for the university for 10 years and had not been solved and the university had its own engineering report that said if nothing were to happen we're going to be bulldozing college avenue potentially uh, if it's not renovated so that was our view that this is a very very creative way to save college avenue for our community yeah it seems like a lot of people it doesn't really matter where you are but it, it seems like a lot of people when you know they say what you just said where like this building or this house whatever it is it will actually fall down or or it's going to get to a state where people can just they can't go in it and it seems like people would rather have properties turn out so that you you can't go in them or they do fall down as opposed to renovating and restoring them and actually using them and it, yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird thing well if you recall I, I mean the conservatory which was part of the college avenue complex was torn down in 2015 or 2016 yeah because it was beyond the part of um of restoration mm-hmm. and we were of the view that if we did not act on college avenue then you know it might meet the same fate last thing i would say is you know let's so if we accept the assumption that something has to happen the university doesn't have the money government you know clearly hadn't hadn't funded it Mm -hmm. lots of priorities for government yeah um but if you accept the view that there had to be a partner to save college avenue i i would argue wouldn't you want that to be connexus right with a 90-year history owned by the community built for the community profits remain in the community i would much rather it it, that partner end up being connexus than somebody else that's different motivated not headquartered here doesn't understand what wascana means to our community right so if it has to be a partner to be saved and we would argue that was the case we we were very proud that we had the opportunity to uh to develop something with the university that in fact's done that and if you've been in college avenue since it's been restored 
it is a sensationally yeah. beautiful building that's going to serve beautiful. our community for a generation. Yeah. Well, no, I'm glad you guys did that. And and I think more people will actually be in the park because because you guys did the right thing. There's there's going to be a coffee shop in the in the bottom of the of the building, right? And, and well, more and, than just a coffee shop. Yeah, there's right. water filling stations for yeah. people. There's public bathrooms. Yeah, right. There's shared space. In fact, about two thirds of the main floor of the building. It's only three stories, but two thirds of the main floor is open to community. Right. And um, you know, we could use it for all kinds of cool community events. We just had um, one of our startup events there just a couple of weeks ago. And right. again, Envision, we've helped 32 startups today. Envision when we're helping 50 or 60 startups and we're doing investor presentations in Dark Hall, followed by a concert or a lecture that people can yeah. uh, take part in. And so we, in, you know, absolutely envision that later this year that College Avenue will be returned to the kind of cultural and educational hub that it should have been. Right. Uh, so going back to leadership for a bit here, if we can keep, keep yeah. banging this drum. Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that I got thinking about before we did this was, um, uh, was about the leadership pipeline. And I'm assuming it connects as you guys do some some form of, of that where you identify people in the organization that, that could be up-and-comers and, and you develop them to hopefully become leaders. And, uh, you know, from, uh, from my perspective, uh, in I think I probably had at least three jobs in my lifetime where, um, where the organization that I worked in, I, I wanted to become a leader so badly. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I just felt, you know, deep, kind of deep down within me that I could do it. Yep. But I just needed somebody to to give me the chance or, you know, to put me in a position to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of over it now. But, but you know, those, you know, two or three jobs that I'm thinking of, when I didn't get to that place where I could be a leader, where I felt like I can I can do something for this organization, that that it sucked for me. Um, so I'm assuming that 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 at Connexus, uh, you have either dealt directly with people who are in kind of that same situation, or your colleagues, they have you know more more junior staff that are like that. So I guess from from your perspective as as the leader, mm-hmm. how do you guys figure out, you know, which person you're going to identify as, you know, th- this person can do it. And I guess you know maybe which people you you think can't do it, even though they they might think that they can. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I mean it's super complicated question. Yeah, it's going to be hard to answer quickly. But I would say we we've taken this view that um, so what most organizations do. Let's say you're in the credit union and you're a great mortgage advisor like we spoke to earlier. Yeah. What most organizations do is let's say they have eight mortgage advisors in a branch. When they need to hire the branch manager, what do you think they do? They go find the best mortgage advisor and say, well, you'll get to lead these people now because you are really great at that job. But there's an inherent flaw in that thinking, right? So if you're a great mortgage advisor, that doesn't necessarily you know, anoint you as being a great leader of people. Yeah, that's right. Those are two different sets of skills. Right. So we, you know, very early on in our journey, you know, I would say most recently, last 10 years or so, we've started to think about lead self, lead others, then lead enterprises. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking for people to lead others, you know, our view is that we better have spent considerable time with them leading self. I spoke to you earlier about what I know about myself and what's the environment that I create the best outcomes in. Right. We want that of all of our leaders. So before we're going to uh, turn you loose on the rest of the world and figure out how to lead those pesky humans that are going to be on your team, mm-hmm. you ought to know how to lead yourself. What are your triggers? What are your the things that you love doing? What are the things that, you know, you don't love doing? I love being a CEO. Not all of it. Oh, right. Right. There's parts of my job that I love and fill my cup. There's other parts of my job that it's like, ah, I got to do that today. Yeah. So f- so for the for the parts that you don't love, do you have people that help you with those things? Like some of some of the other people on the on the executive well, leadership sure, team? Sure, but there's, you know, you're not going to find a job where it's 100% of things you love doing. Yeah. Yeah, so I just know, and a, and a great example would be um, like pouring over reports. 
Yeah. Okay. So for me, it's not the most exciting thing to do a reading financial statements or, you know, all the metrics about our business. So when do you think, if I just talked to you about when I have my most energy mm. early in the mornings, when do you think I do that stuff in the morning? Yeah, right. When I'm at my best and I right. can focus better, concentrate better. If I tried to do it at three in the afternoon or four, like it is now talking to you, yeah. I'd do it for 10 minutes and then I'd be looking for something else to do. Right. Yeah. So I just know myself. Like a well podcast. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I know when I'm at my most patient self, I know what are the triggers for me when I start to get upset and then I know how to coach myself. But this is, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years of investment in myself. We start that now with leaders at Connexus very early because those that want to aspire to lead have to show the courage in leading themselves. Right. And it's hard. I'm, I mean, I'm not professing to say that's an easy journey, Yeah. but it's not done well in business schools. It's not done well in high school. This is a learned behavior for people to explore themselves and get an environment where they're getting real feedback about how they show up. Right. Yeah. So we do lots of that work early. We have mentoring relationships. We have about 80 or 90 of those. So all of the senior leaders at Connexus, not just executives, but all of them are expected to mentor young people. We put them on projects where they learn a bit about themselves. So, it, I mean, it's a really mm. complicated, um, it's not easy to answer quickly. Yeah. But if you can think lead self, lead others, lead enterprise. And the second thing I would say is people think leadership development is going to classrooms. Right. Our view of the world is 70% of your leadership training is called experiential. Yeah. Hands on the handlebars, doing stuff that right. you've maybe never done before. Right. Because do you think that will lead to some frustration or some anxiety or some learning about yourself? Well, sure. That's why we do it. Yeah. Then 10% is classroom. 20% mm -hmm. is like self-awareness testing like Myers-Briggs and, you know, those right. kinds of things where you get some feedback about who you are. And, right. Yeah. So if you take those two things together, that's how we're building leaders today do, do you think people put put too much emphasis on I'm assuming you may say yes to this question but do you think people put too much emphasis on um, the the type of degree that some person got or you know that they got a graduate degree because um, as you just said that it's you know that a lot of it is is a um, it's it's learning in in place it's it's experiential right it, it's yep. not um, going to tier 400 level seminar a business course or something, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so I mean, I talked earlier about I grew up in commercial yeah. banking as, when I was younger. Today, I wouldn't turn myself loose on a commercial member today. Because mm. even though I grew up in that part of the business, yeah. it's changed three times since the last time I did it. Right. The same is true with learning. So I, I have a graduate degree and everybody right. says, well, do you have to have a graduate degree to become the CEO of Connexus? And I would say no. What's your graduate degree in? I have an MBA in risk management. Right. Like how sexy is that? Well, an MBA is nice. Right. right. People seem to like that. It is. But you know how much risk managing I do today? Uh... Yeah. I'm assuming not that much. Right. It's more coaching and leading people. That's right. Um, and, right. and when I took, I wrote my thesis on enterprise risk management in 2004. It's changed a bit in 2020. Yeah. So all those things prove in my mind is your ability to be a continuous learner at a high level. Right. That's what it demonstrates. So if I was sitting in an interview with you and I was asking you questions about whether you could work at Connexus or not, I'd be asking you about, show me evidence of being a continuous learner. Right. That could be an MBA. Right. It could be a certificate. It could be, here's the community work I've done and what I've learned about myself. It could be a whole bunch of things. But I would say those organizations that learn fast will win. Right. So we're trying to find and recruit people that learn fast. Hmm. That's interesting. It, it seems like you guys are recruiting lots of talented people these days, like we were talking before we mm -hmm. turned on the mics that uh, yeah, lot, lots of you know, relatively young people as well who all seem to be flocking to, to Connexus. And uh, it's not my perspective anymore, but as, as someone until a couple of years ago who didn't know much about Connexus, I kind of thought credit unions in general were kind of an old person uh, you know, a bit of an old way of doing things, yep. uh, type of type of organizations. But yeah, it seems like lots of people who I know, like some of my uh, some of my contemporaries, are all flocking to Connexus. So you guys must be doing something, must be doing something right. Well, I think the world is looking for organizations that lead with purpose, right? Um, and particularly younger generation, like, you know, lots of the older business leaders I talk to say, well, you know, young people today don't care about anything other than themselves. And I, you know, I would argue that till I'm blue in the face. I think they're very passionate about 
doing business with or committing, you know, part of their career to an organization that stands for something. Yeah. And we've done really creative work in entrepreneurship, as we talked about. We've done equally creative work, I would say, in changing finance. And we have these proprietary tools that we're about to roll out to our members that really get at the deep-seated question of what does it mean to be financially well? It's not Mm. the size of your net worth. It's not how much money you make. But, you know, goal attainment and can you survive and what like what does you know a whole right. financial roadmap look like we've now got is this like to, a like a mint type thing like a better Ooh. yeah going we're into just, going just, into competition with intuit i see we just did a design thing with 140 members non-members and just interested people the other day and the feedback we got was right. I, I wish somebody did this right that gives you real insight into your financial life so i think what people see from connexus today they don't see it as their grandma and grandpa's credit union anymore they see it with a company who's very passionate about changing banking who's very courageous about trying new things and failing at lots we've you know we skin yeah. our knee all the time yeah but I think we do that because we're prepared to try and then we learn and then sometimes we win like we have with Cultivator or Venture Capital or Financial Wellness or we got a Governor General Canada Innovation Award last year. Right. First time ever in the province yeah, I read that. for doing a social finance ex- experiment that had never been yeah. done in Canada before where 53 moms are now reunited with their kids that were in foster care. So it's not all about banking either. So I think what young people see today is an organization with a bit of courage, a bit of, of capacity, yeah. financial and uh, smarts to try things. And they want to come be part of, you know, changing the world. And I think in a very small way, we're giving them an opportunity to do that. Uh, you, you talked about failing. Mm-hmm. How important is it for you to um, maybe not highlight, but... Um, to, you make know, it, to make it okay? Yeah. Yeah, so one of our company awards every year is called the Fail Forward. Right. So we reward that to the same extent almost as the Employee of the Year. Right. And people nominate themselves and they get up on stage in our organization and talk about failing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that happens everywhere else. I start no. my all-employee no. calls by talking about my own Fail Forwards. There's right. lots of stuff I've screwed up. What was one recently? Well, I changed the org chart drastically about three years ago, and mm. I like it was a colossal disaster. People were confused, didn't know what it meant for the organization. We've now done three iterations since then, yeah. And I think you know, people can now see the forest for the trees. But when I first did it, it was like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I have lots. We could we could be on here for a long time and talk about them. But if it's okay for me to stand up in front of a thousand people and talk about it, right? Surely to goodness, it's okay for the advisor to you know stand up in front of a member when we make a mistake or stand up in front of a colleague and say, hey, I have an idea because this happened to me once. I don't want it to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, coming coming from government and, you know, the political side of government, it's a, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you, um, you know, most of the time, the only time you hear from the higher ups, let's say, is when something went wrong, right? And, uh, yeah, so that's an interesting perspective to actually have senior leaders saying it's fine. You know, you will be better because you had this, because you made this mistake or or yeah. this org chart that you built was yeah. stupid or, you it know, was, whatever the case was. It was very stupid. And <laughs> the, so you can fail at Connexus if you learn. I mean, you can't right. continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. We'd probably, you know, say, hey, there's, you know, maybe we should talk about this. Right. Um, but the goal is, and we're trying to become this constantly learning organization. As I talked about learning fast with individuals. We want the organization to learn fast. Right. Um, the world is changing so fast today that any business leader that came in here and sat in your podcast and say, no, no, we we know exactly what the future is going to hold five years from now. We know exactly the path to get there. And here's the 74-step plan between mm-hmm. now and then. Mm-hmm. I would tell them they're full of... You can swear on this podcast, full of please. Shit. Yeah, because yeah, I, I just don't think it's possible with the chaos that uh, exists in the world today in terms of disruption and yeah. velocity and all, you know, have you ever turned the VUCA? No. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Mm. And they use that acronym as being where we are today in the business world. So Yeah, I, it's I just, pretty clear. Eh? It's, yeah. really, it's really hard to get your head around in real time. So I think what most organizations, the good ones that we study, are at least trying to like take a few steps forward. What did we learn? Look around. What's changed? Take a few more steps forward. Stop, learn, look around. What's changed? And iterate your way to the future as opposed to here's the project plan with the 74 steps. I just, right. I just don't think that works in today's world because what happens is you get overly invested in you know by step 58 you're like well we just got to get to 74 yeah meanwhile the world's changed and you know the answer you're too is not focused
focused on the outcome and not the not the process of totally of getting there yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean it speaks to like agile thinking which is what some organizations call it today so we're trying to do something kind of a hybrid of that right yeah um last question here uh, you don't really like to wear neckties that's kind of a thing for you no tie i'm going to tell you one true fact it'll change your life uh-huh reduces blood flow to the brain by up to 9%. And as I talk- Nine we, or 90? Nine. Uh-huh. But if we want Connexus to be the smartest, most agile, fastest learning organization, I just think we should free the organization of those things because it'll free them up to learn 9% faster. What if you're going to meet with uh, with the premier, let's say? Well, I have wear a tie to his office. I have met with the premier, and no, I didn't wear a tie. I didn't. I didn't, however, take my scissors and uh, threaten to cut his off because he has people with like guns and radios and stuff. They'd yeah. probably take me down. Yeah, now he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the tie cutting thing. That's. But if, uh, but if I catch yeah. him out of the office without you know the security folk around, I might take a run at it. Yeah. Okay. And then I get people to sign them, and I hang them on my wall. And good thing I'm not wearing one today. Good thing. Do you want to hear the best tie cutting story ever? Yep, please. Okay, rookie comes into our office, and I just walk up to meet him and I grabbed my scissors and I literally grabbed his tie and cut it and he looked very sad so I was quite nervous that maybe this was an heirloom or grandma gave it to yeah. him or something so I said I'll tell you what here's the name of a store go there and buy yourself a tie mm -hmm. and I'll look I'll call and I'll look after it I'm really sorry so that was all fine a few months later passes I go in and I'm buying myself some new shirts at this store and they say Eric there's this bill for you this kid came in and bought a tie said you were paying for it I'm like oh yeah I forgot about that yeah yeah put it on my uh -huh. put it on my bill well it was like hundred and sixty dollars right. and I'm like well played rookie <laughs> yeah well yeah. played you win. yeah he did it you win. yeah yeah he, he got the best one he could yeah so but I have a collection of them they're hanging in my office a bunch of people's names on them and I'm just ridding the world of them one at a time you you and the press gallery uh journalists you guys should get together and compare neckties because they've they've got a whole oh, yeah. they've, they've got a whole thing in the legislative building one of them came so to you cover our startup event here two weeks ago and uh -huh. I, I brought my scissors and our public relations people were quite afraid that I was going to go hack it off and then he was going to say evil things about us oh, on, no. the, on they would, the news. They would have fallen so right at home. So I just trolled him online after. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh -huh. And that was acceptable, I guess. Well, you guys are doing some... Uh, some great things and um and and it's no doubt due to to your leadership so and uh yeah i think people people in this province are quite quite proud to proud to have you guys and have you running Actually, running some stuff it, it honestly it has very little to do with me and it has everything to do with the kinds of people you talked about that we're hiring they're very yeah. passionate about saskatchewan very passionate about our members and you know they just have a place where they can live some of that out and i just hope that i get to be their leader long enough that you know one point they'll come and i'll have to get out and they'll run the place but it's it's a fun place to work now and it's uh it's really exciting great uh connexus does have a podcast that's going to be launched i talked to your team a little bit it's it's on the way they tell me so uh, it, it is on the way but shh, we're not supposed to tell anybody oh whoops oh i will edit that out or maybe or get mason's permission or maybe release this after it's out and yeah, then yeah. i can i can plug it i know so. we're working hard at getting something up we think it'll yeah. be a fun way to educate people on real life saskatchewan stories that connect to money and goals like yeah. i talked about earlier oh, that's great yeah well thanks thanks for talking with me eric and uh, keep up the good work and i do not bank with connexus but maybe i will we should help you with your financial wellness. You'll be shocked and awed. That's it for this episode of the Talking 306 podcast. Thanks so much to Eric Dillon for joining me to talk about his life, career, and the great work that Connexus Credit Union is doing right now. Thanks to Connexus and Sask Energy for supporting the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. And thanks to Path Cowork for sponsoring the Talking 306 podcast. Don't forget to find and listen to a ton of original Saskatchewan podcasts on the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. You can visit saskpodcastnetwork.com to see the whole list of podcasts or search for the Saskatchewan Podcast Network on Facebook and Instagram. That's all for this episode. See you next time.